You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com, that's summerschoolelectronics.com, and check them out today. What is up, folks? Welcome to a very, very special episode of the podcast. This one, I can't tell you how excited I am about this. This has been in the works for a very long time. Today, I am talking to my friends, Sean Arbo and Scott Marcourt. Sean Arbo from Gun Street Wiring Shop, who has been a big supporter of this podcast for literally years, we've become friends. And we've become friends in a capacity that is not at all unlike the capacity that Scott and I are friends. And that is a very unique circumstance. And it all has happened because of the podcast. We're going to tell the story But I think just to preface everything, it's best if I just say the easy version right at the top. Gun Street is now a part of the Stringjoy family. No, Sean's not going anywhere. He is still running the show over there. But we thought with our powers combined, we could really do something special. The ink has been dry on the deal for several months, but we've been working really hard behind the scenes to basically prepare for the future. There's some really cool stuff on the horizon, and we talk about it on this episode. But I wanted to get these guys both on an episode because the podcast is sort of the hub for all of this. If the podcast had never existed, Scott and I would have never become business partners. And now I can say the same thing for Sean, Scott, and I. If this podcast was not a thing and you weren't here supporting it and you weren't here listening to it and hearing my voice right now, then literally these opportunities would never have materialized. They never would have presented themselves. It just it wouldn't have happened. It all comes back to this show. So I thought it would be really appropriate to get them both on to tell their version of the story because we all have sort of our own little internal version of how it happened. And I wanted to get the three of us together to explain to the public what's happening, how it happened, and the ideas and the goals moving forward. I don't think anything like this has really come about in the exact same way in this industry. You know, it's kind of this weird collaboration between different sectors of the guitar industry and a media outlet, which is the tone mob. And it's just, it's very strange. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it come together in quite this same way. So I thought it would be fun to get these guys on. These are my buds. These are my dudes and they're my business partners. And I wanted to get them on to explain how they saw it all coming together and maybe give some, some peeks into the visions for the future. And just, yeah, just wanted to get everything out there so people could, know about it, and hopefully be as excited as we are. So I guess I should stop talking so I can start talking to my friends, Sean and Scott. Let's go. 
everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have two of my very best dudes, Scott Marcourt and Sean Arbo of Stringjoy and Gun Street. And uh, we're all just one big happy family now. We kind of thought it would be fun to get you two on and tell the tale. What do you guys think? Sounds fun. When you call Blake, I I am wherever you ask me to be right away (laughs) and for as long as you need me. I think it's like backwards of that, though. I feel like (laughs) it goes the other way around. All of a sudden, you called me on a Monday, and the next day I was in Nashville folding boxes and stuff. So (laughs) a little bit bit of backwards. Sweeping up, miscounting things, taping up (laughs) things, running printers I don't know how to run. The whole nine yards. It was... uh, You did a great job. (laughs) It was splendid. You're too Uh, hard on yourself. uh, Somebody's got to be. Everyone else is too nice to me. (laughs) So I thought it would be a good time to get both of you on because now... Like I said in the intro, we're we're all kind of one big happy family, and if this is people's first exposure to that, well, we'll try to tell the tale as best we can. But Gun Street is a, a part of the the Stringjoy family now, and uh, we, I thought it was kind of an interesting story to tell because it's it's a bit unusual, I think, for a bunch of people who would have never otherwise known each other to to come together and all of a sudden realize how how similar we are and yeah i don't know pretty much yeah i thought maybe yeah, it'll could... be fun to to unpack and try to figure out you know how it happened because on, on our end it's all been kind of natural and free-flowing you know but then you you're like how did this happen and you're like oh well that takes me i have to go back eight years to when i met <laughs> sean outside of a, a vietnamese restaurant mm-hmm. yeah he was clutching a bon me like it was his child <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think I will start with my perspective because I feel like that might be the the earliest stages. So I was already involved with string string blah, blah, with what company string joy by this uh, point in time. That's been when we were called string boy. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, a you, rebrand. you were right the first time. <laughs> that's right. I came in right around the time of the rebrand. That's why I'm 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 so confused. <laughs> I still feel like maybe going with the original name would have been a stronger play, but you know, uh, we've already been through that. So you live and I want you learn. String man, yes, yeah. stringman. But um, then we would have to have we'd have to have gun boy. Oh, that would have been oh. perfect. Too late now. <laughs> There's no way that could go wrong. I think I read uh, that book one time. Gun boy's new album, Street Joy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that actually seems like something that might exist. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but I'd been doing the podcast for a few years. Uh, Scott and I had been working together in a lot of capacities, including on Stringjoy. And along comes somebody named Gun Street Wiring Shop advertising on a podcast that I listened to, which was the Guitar Nerds podcast, which I became friends with those guys at a, a later date, too. And I thought that's interesting that a company from Bend, Oregon, specializing in guitar parts, is... Uh, or Guitar Electronics, excuse me, is advertising on a British guitar uh, podcast, uh, which is definitely one of the bigger shows in the in the genre. It was still just like, huh, Bend, Oregon. That's interesting. And it wasn't too much later, and it, it was a fairly consistent string of advertisements, and it, it wasn't too much later that all of a sudden, if I'm remembering correctly, Sean, you appeared in my inbox, just like introducing yourself. And I thought, 
well, this is this company I've been hearing so much about from Mr. Joe Branton. Uh, I guess I gotta, I gotta take this call. And I think that was one of those calls, not unlike Scott and I's first exposure to each other, where it turned into a very long walking around the neighborhood, (laughs) (laughs) climbing up in trees and hanging upside down whilst on the phone for three and a half hours. And I feel like that's always a good sign when someone's a willing to do take that journey with me and B it's interesting enough for the both of us that we just kind of uh, enjoyed the experience, I guess. And you came on the podcast. That was a really, really great episode. You actually came to the shred shed. I think that was maybe only the second in-person interview that I had Mm -hmm. done. And that was really well received. Yeah. Ironically, my aunt lives like a block from you. Yeah, that was weird. Small we, world. Yeah, we took a tour around. <laughs> You're like, my aunt's right over there. And then we went and ate pizza. It was a great experience. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shocking. I took my guest out for pizza. But then we just seemed to talk a lot. You know, there wasn't very many people I could go through the business side of the guitar world with in the depth that I like to, besides yourself and Scott. And as the years went on, I, you know, I'm kind of yada yadaing a lot of this because it's, it's a lot, just a lot of phone calls back and forth, yeah. getting to know each other better. You ended up moving to Portland uh, and uh, sponsoring the podcast for a very long time. And then we, I just real had that realization. There's only two people I can talk to like this. It's, it's Sean and Scott. So maybe I should try to get into some sort of relationship like I have with Scott, with Sean. And that's kind of uh, kind of where it left off. Uh, we had an opportunity to buy a bunch of pickup making equipment. Some of the Tone Mob followers will remember some sneaky posts I made about that back in the day when I had a winder here in the shred shed and all that. And that was uh, Ken from Roadhouse Pickups so kindly, you know, bestowing a bunch of pickup knowledge on me, uh, which was probably not the best use of pickup knowledge uh, transfer uh, <laughs> and uh, shown me how it worked and, and sold us all of his equipment basically. And some of his, uh, some of his designs and knowledge as well, which was really, really cool. And that was right about the time Sean and I started talking more seriously about you know, going into business in, in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I think you want to take it from there. You have a different I perspective mean, on how that unfurled. Well, I would say one, I, I did slide into your DMs because I saw that you're from uh, Oregon City. And I was like, hey, there's someone local I could talk to. And then you <laughs> did call me. You were the most people that they ended up being uh, uh, always through emails. And you were the very first person to actually call me. And I did literally talk to you for like, I don't know, like four hours. I had to go to because I was doing that part time then. I actually had to go to work and then I was like, oh God, I need to go. I need to go. But I'm like, this is a really fun conversation because we're actually getting in, you know, like in the economics of the industry. Uh, and then I was like, oh, and luckily you, I think, had another call. So that was my very first fun experience with you. Um, and then, yeah, it, it was one of those. I've always had a very re- weird relationship with you and Scott because we always tend to kind of be in the same kind of areas doing the same things and we all mesh really well together. And about the time when you got uh, the pickup stuff from Ken, I was getting into pickups and, or I should say getting back into pickups. Originally when I was a teenager, like a lot of people, what I did was, you know, hand wind them. And, 
if you know me, I have a little bit of a Hulk grip. So doing the hair thin, <laughs> hair thin, winding it, it, it would take me three days to wind a single humbucker to the point where I'm just like, I should probably wait to do that or find some better technology. And, and then I like the implication I, that uh, anyone who knows you well enough will know that you have such a strong grip. It, it's unclear <laughs> to me how, how that comes up in, in every yeah. relationship eventually. But my, my favorite response is anytime someone meets me in person, they go, wow, you're a lot taller than I expected. Six two, I'm not that tall, but I am fairly tall. You are, you are pretty tall. I actually forget yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so I, I, I'm tall. Before this job, I was throwing, you know, 40 pound boxes of liquor, doing it too much. I was, I was very bulky. Um, That's actually why I went into business with Blake. Cause I wanted to be the tall one for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I thought you just wanted the crest of his big arms. <laughs> well, well <laughs> that's the bonus. Uh, the wide, stubby little arms. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, the segue, segue back, we ended up just talking because I started getting back into pickups as you started getting into with Ken stuff. And then it kind of blossomed from there. It's just that weird opportunity of like, you know, our, our businesses collided and we all kind of started talking in a way that it just made the most sense of, of, kind of like the brand morals of our companies, like how obsessive Sky is about strings. I tend to be about wiring. It just made so much sense for us to kind of get into that way. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, you know, uh, it's funny because Blake, you you had told me about Sean a lot over the years before I had ever really talked with him. And the first time I remember um, talking with you, Sean, was at NAM. We were at the Earthquaker mm-hmm. um NAM party that always existed. And that was the year it was maybe like the Earthquaker slash JHS slash somebody else party at the Italian restaurant mm-hmm. um, where I was mostly out at a table with Jack DeVille uh, all night. But but I remember talking <laughs> with with you, Sean, about Michael Porter um, and and some other, you know, like very dry business books, um, which oh, yeah, if you've yeah. ever, ever been to a party like this, uh, to anyone listening, is not what anybody talks about <laughs> or has ever, ever heard of in their whole lives. Um Typically, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> uh, the the guitar market is famously not very businessy, which is one of the, the great things about it, I think. But um, I tend to be a lot more fascinated by that stuff, and it was cool to see that um, Sean very much is that way as well, um, and is really interested in, in just business outside of just like you know how much we love the guitar and the things that go into them and all that. Um, so that was really cool to kind of get to meet Sean uh, through that, um, and then yeah, just like you guys were saying, I remember Blake calling me up one day. Um, and saying, hey, this guy who's a listener wants to sell us like this pickup uh, operation, um, which it hadn't really been in our minds, but we were like, oh, well, these pickups are awesome. And, you know, he was being very generous with what he was kind of offering uh, it to us for and, and willing to give us uh, to help us get get running. So we were like, okay, we'll just grab it and see where it goes. I don't know that we really intended to like start a pickup company. We were just like, how can we say no to this, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after a little while of thinking, we were talking about Sean and what he was doing with wiring and starting to do with pickups again. We're like, whoa, you know, if anyone who knows how to install um, a wiring harness knows how to install pickups. And if they're already in there, they're probably thinking about, you know, should I upgrade <laughs> my pickups at the same time? Like, there just seems like a lot of kind of fit between these two things, offering really cool and interesting pickups as well as really cool and interesting uh, designed wiring harnesses um, and kind of making that a package deal for people. Um, and certainly not to be like the synergy, you know, business guy 
uh, here. Synergy, but like, synergy, uh, synergy, synergy. But, but one thing I noticed, right, is that um, most all the wiring harness uh, companies in the industry, um, they might sell pickups, but they don't really make their own pickups um, and vice versa, right? Uh, none of the pickup makers off, also offer wiring harnesses. And so it stands to reason, and I'm excited to kind of discover this in time, that uh, – Innovating on one side can also kind of beget some innovations on the other side. You know, we're making wiring harnesses that are designed to to do things with your pickups um, that you haven't otherwise. For example, you know, um, having a wiring harness that can help split coils alongside a pickup that splits coils really nicely and doesn't sound like butt when you split the <laughs> coil um, could be really cool. And there's a million other ideas like this. But um, yeah, we're just super excited to kind of see see where this all can go. And, and, and I think one of the things that really stood out to me about Sean and his approach, as he was saying, is um, we started our business almost entirely uh, custom um, and really kind of offering players the ability to customize their strings and all this sort of stuff. Um, and it seems like what Sean's, you know, been doing for customers has been an extension of that same thing, opening up new possibilities in their guitar um, that they maybe hadn't thought of and giving them the opportunities to make their guitar sound and play and function the way they have in their head, which is really just the same kind of mission that we've been on, um, on a different side of the guitar. Yeah. I think it's worth noting too, that we've, I didn't emphasize enough this. I should have done this when I was weaving my side of the tail a little bit, the pickups that we're talking about, they're not just, any regular, you know, hey, I make uh, PAF clones or something, which are great, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, and we will probably explore that in the future. But it was actually Ken from Roadhouse come to us, and he had a very unique set of pickups that didn't exist anywhere else on the, in the aftermarket world. And they're in that blue guitar right back there, which has been like my number one for a long time, my Roni Oceana. And those have Ken's Roadhouse pickups. They look like humbuckers, but they are single coils, and they are rather unique single coils, and you can't easily get those anymore. Uh, so it was not just somebody who knew a lot about pickups. It was somebody who actually had a unique story to tell in the pickup world and, and had been commissioned by other pretty large companies to do work for them on that side. And so it was a, an incredible resource to have just come out of nowhere. Like, I can't thank Ken enough for you know bestowing some of that knowledge on little old us a hundred percent and i mean yeah. I, I think something something that's so great is like the way sean's brain works and the way he can process information and come up with uh new interpretations of things having that as like a really cool baseline to springboard off like mm -hmm. having a, a lot of what, what ken was able to give us um with some of these pickup types is like okay we can start there and then build on top of that um it's just really exciting for what we can do i think in the pickup world um and i think it's probably not unreasonable for us to announce uh, that we'll be working on those those same pickups that you you mentioned, Blake, here very soon. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. It's already well well drawn into the the plan, and I really think that more people need to experience experience these to really understand what uh, what they are. And I think that we're just the people to try to kick them out there. So it's really really exciting. A hundred percent. And something I wanted to talk about, about Gun Street's approach a little bit, um, is, is something that's, I think, also germane to Stringjoy as well, which is like, in, in this market, there are a lot of companies, whether it's pedals, amps, you know, pickups or whatever, that uh, you, you just kind of make 
some very small tweak on the same thing and and, and brand it a little bit differently and then uh, shove that out to the market. Um, and then people talk about it on the forums as it's, oh, it's uh, I've never heard anything that sounds like this, but you totally have. Um, and it's always <laughs> been like part of you and I, Blake's ethos to like want to actually make a substantial and significant change in anything we put out, wanting to make it different enough that it, it has its own purpose there. Um, that's something that I loved in, in, in those pickup designs, um, that that's not something that's just like, oh, it's a reissue of this, this 70s K pickup. Um, it is something new and different and exciting. Um, and at the same time, that's something I think that we really find present in Gun Street as well. Um, and I'd like to, I don't want to be the interviewer here, Blake, on your <laughs> no, go uh, for your it. show. No, this is, this but, is a um, three-way conversation is all this uh, is. Something I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, Sean, is um, what your approach has been to the wiring world. Because there are a lot of people that I think it's just like, hey, this is the same Strat circuit. There's some slightly different parts, you know put it in, you'll never hear your guitar sounding this before. But that's not what your approach has ever really been. I think you've been offering kind of new circuits or new new interpretations. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. No, I mean, there. I've been, what's a weird thing to say is I've almost been, this is, I got two years away from being, doing this for 20 years. And and I, I look young, I am young, but I've been doing this a long time. And, and mm -hmm. I, like a lot of people, started out with, you know, I went on the forums. I read all this stuff about, oh, it's the ultimate treble bleed circuit. It's the ultimate pop tolerance. You know, all this kind of classic stuff that I grew up on it. And then I kind of realized that it's not as we all, ever, as players, we end up having this, uh, you know, a sound in our head that we're looking for and we're searching for it. And I never got that. And I, I almost, I got to the point where I had this weird, because uh, I tried everything. I have, I have this weird kind of, I can help people. So my number one thing with Gun Street was, I know that you have a sound in your head you want to get to. And I'm going to do my best to kind of get that out of you to get that sound. So I'm not going to say, oh, my, you know, I'm going to upgrade you just by just swapping out. Because sadly, what a lot of people in this industry, in, in this market do, is they're going to tell you it's an upgrade, which in a lot of times is a part-for-part -part copy. And that's not my goal as in the sense that you're going to basically get the same similar sound. So with Gun Street, we've always wanted to um, first educate you into how to use the right uh, language to express what you want to hear. And, and two, just to kind of just try things. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is it's fun to just try new circuits. There's so many different ways other than doing that 50s vintage circuit that gets you that so-and-so tone, which isn't the full picture. But, you know, if you wire, I have guitars behind me that if someone else were to play, they would be like, that's unplayable. But to my ears, I love. I have a Mustang that right behind me that, that has, a, a, you know, it's single coils, but I actually don't have any pots to it. It's just raw output. You wire it in huh. series, so it's a super, super high output. I put just the phase with that. Again, it, it just, Gun Street's number one goal is not to be the classic, oh, I'm just going to upgrade it because that's what I want. It's always to kind of just circuit designing and, and kind of to spread the gospel of try new things. Mm -hmm. Can yeah. you tell me more about what it's like to have a guitar with like no no circuit? Like, is there still a it's couple like, what it, is still in there basically? Is it just wire so hooked up to the output jack? Or? It's push-pull, it's an option. So, right, I can have it, I can okay. do, if I want to do a little bit clean, I have a push-pull and it goes straight and you go through, you get the compression of the pot itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, when you take it off, there's no compression on the pickups. 
So you're usually, you're getting the most unfiltered, especially with single coils and where I would love to play with the burn sides with these, um, is the idea that you get such unique kind of sounds that especially if you plug it into a pedal, it just gets the most kind of like angelic. It's, it's a wonderful sound. Um, when it comes to like, uh, again, we as players, we're, we're searching for a set sound and there's so many ways to get whatever you want from that. Wiring pickups in series is like a must for me. I, I can't not. <laughs> Does it, if it's two humbuckers, I want them in series. I want double output. If it's two single coils, I want them in series. It's it's just you can't not have pickups in series in my own ear. That huh. sounds to that me like what cool. we were t talking about before the 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 mics went hot, so to speak, where you just need more gain, right? You just more need, gain. need more gain, and then it'll <laughs> fix any problems that you have. That's that's all it is, right? I so I'll say this, uh, and, and this is uh, kind of segueing back to the idea of like why a lot of people don't have yet to experiment with with wiring is um, the more kind of output, especially the low end side, it sounds great on distortion. Like you can drive a, 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 a you know a classic or, overdrive when you have those pickups in series, or if you don't want that, and you can go, go the opposite spectrum. It's great to have those pickups out of phase with a fuzz. Like there's so much kind of subtleties you can play with that a lot of people just don't, they, they ignore it. They assume that the pickups are the, the full picture. The, like that's, you change pickups, that's it. You know, the, you know, the wiring, you just leave it and you do everything else. But what's really amazing about wiring as a whole is you can have the most wide, you know, spectrum of what you want from your guitar. And, and it's, it's, I, I, I always get frustrated because it's always such an overlooked thing. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services, and it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 
30% off. That's right, 30% off their already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Yep. Yeah, and it strikes me that it's like, you know, you take your classic Stratocaster um, and, you know, on on a general setup, you've got five different pickup settings, um, you know, bridge, bridge and middle, middle, middle and neck, and then neck. Um, but you can't go bridge and neck, and you can't go bridge and middle uh, in phase or or middle and neck in phase. Um, not to mention what you talked about, Sean, about, you know, potentially just, just bypassing things altogether or going series versus parallel. Um, and one thing that I think is so cool um, about Gun Street's approach and about the stuff that we're going to do in the future is it's not just, as you noted, Sean, like, oh, this works the same way as what you have in your guitar right now, but you should go through, uh, you know, $100 and, and three frustrating so- hours of soldering um, <laughs> to get our, our upgrade with, with these new capacitors. What's cool is is bringing all these new options to people, so I can have that same Stratocaster and have all of these sounds that I couldn't have had otherwise. And when you compare it to something like a pedal that I wouldn't, you know, feel bad about spending two hundred dollars on, um, getting that many different configurations of sounds out of my guitar for a hundred bucks or hundred fifty bucks, even, um, I think in some ways is a better deal than a new pedal. I can use those on every different setup with every pedal that I have. It, it like expands the permutations of tone you have available to you um, substantially, right? And yeah, it doesn't uh, get rid of the original option, right? You no, still no. have yeah. all the things you had to start with. It's just now there's more out of the same instrument, which is the magical part. I have really one funny, yeah. funny Blake experience for when I first Uh-oh. met Blake. Uh, no, and, don't tell that story. Out. Don't tell that story. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's later. Much, much later. Hmm. Uh, when I started talking to Blake and, and we're getting more into the kind of the weeds of wiring, um, and we explained that I actually missed the pedal scene. Like when I quit guitar, I, I shattered, you can kind of see the scar here. I shattered my wrist. So I didn't play guitar for a good five years when the pedal scene oh. blew up. Uh, but I still did circuit design because I'm just that person. Uh, Blake famously told me, and I, I kind of thought it was funny, but I treat guitar wiring like pedals. Like mm-hmm. I wire guitars as if it is a pedal. Um, and I've always kind of like, no, that's true. I, I think about a guitar and guitar wiring and, and not even just like you're kind of saying with the pickups is is i think about the whole pickups when i make i've made my own pickups i don't associate it with as as you know stock this is the eq i think about oh i'm probably going to want a coil cut or tune tune tap or whatever you want to do with it i think about it as in the sense of the whole you know the pickups the engine i'm also gonna have to build the drive line i'm gonna have to build every little thing around it and that's where uh a i would like to take you know Gunstreet's gonna probably go in the future but i think that's where most people need to go in general it is t- kind of taking an approach to what some people look at as just a blob of their guitar as far as like yes the wiring does its thing and breaking it down the way you would a pedal board is kind of what I meant by that. Like what guitar yeah. players will look at their pedal board and they'll just obsess over each and every unit and where it is in the chain. And they really, a lot of people, especially people that listen to this show, understand that. And they understand like gain staging and, and they understand that this goes after this because I want to achieve this. What they don't understand is the same things going on in the cavity of their guitar (laughs) because everything in there is selected to do a certain thing. And simply moving one component to a different place 
especially when it comes to pickups, can completely change what you're playing. Like yeah. changing the magnet location in a pickup, I had no idea it could change. It literally is a different pickup sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's these subtle changes that are that look subtle when you do them, and then you plug in and you're like, that's not subtle at all. That's very drastic, which is is has been overlooked for a long time, I think. And a funny funny thing that strikes me is, you know, a lot of people be like, "Well, Jimmy Page didn't need a Strymon uh, in order to to play live," and you're like, "But he did need a customized wiring harness." It's <laughs> true. Yeah, that's right. Uh, for those that that don't know, actually, uh, briefly, just in case it's of interest to anyone out there, Sean, could you tell us about what like the Jimmy Page? you know wiring i think it's probably the most famous like example of customized wiring what it does yeah so it's the most famous and and the funny bit is um he didn't even design he didn't have a guitar it's supposedly it's a a schecter design that he wanted to use in his 59 less ball uh but basically what it does is in the volumes you're gonna have coil cutting um Mm -hmm. and and in the neck it usually cuts uh the screw uh and in the bridge it tends to cut uh so you have to say cut the screw but you have the screw pickup and then in the bridge you have the slug so you tend to have the some of the hum canceling uh and then also in the bridge tone you're gonna have out of phase so just change that and then uh in the neck tone you're gonna have the series switch so a lot of the things the, the Jimmy Page circuit as a whole is what got me addicted to wiring. Um, yeah. And it is, it's a phenomenal kit. It, it's just, it's a pain in the butt from a circuit point because <laughs> it's super, super complex. Mm-hmm. But if you like options and you like the idea of, of getting whatever sound, it, in one of our blogs, I have, I famously said that uh, um, imagine a guitar and it's a blurry picture. With the Jimmy Page kit, you can basically fine tune it to get a very similar sound. Yep, and for the people out there that that don't know, uh, and Blake, I guess your listeners are all pretty—they uh, know everything about everything guitar-wise. But uh, what we're talking <laughs> about there when we say they like, do screw oh, yeah. versus slug on a humbucker, you have two coils that come together uh, out of phase. Am I right? The, correct me when um, I'm wrong, Sean, because this is your co- world more than mine. Uh, <laughs> there are two coils, and the 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 they are wound in the same direction, but you're passing it through two polarity fields, which causes a hum canceling uh, right. frequency. It's basically like out of phase, but kind of not. Okay. Similar. Thank you. Um, yeah. You, you know more about these things than I, for sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, so when you take one side and cancel out the other, you basically have something of a single coil uh, sound out of a humbucker guitar, which, which a lot of people you know, didn't know you could get. Um, no. with a humbucker, which is what's so cool about doing that, that coil tapping. That's, that's what we call, yeah. um, call that. Um, I just wanted to highlight that in case anyone's like, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> coil um, cutting, coil tapping. And, coil oh, and splitting. we said the screw and the slug, if you're familiar with an open humbucker, you know, you can see all those little screws in there. Those are screws, um, mm-hmm. which are magnetized slugs, uh, which yeah. are, yes, mm-hmm. magnetized. Yes. Um, so anyway, wanted to explain that slightly, um, but that's so cool. I, and I, I honestly, I, I read about that in like Guitar World when I was like 13, um, but didn't like, it was not, there was not a gun street I could have ordered that from back then. Uh, I, I would have been going to Radio Shack um, <laughs> and being like, hi, how do I make my Les Paul sound like Jimmy Page? And they would have <laughs> kicked me out. They would have said, well, son. You need to become Jimmy Page. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. right. Uh, and maybe there's some some truth to that. Um, but that's so cool. And I'm curious what he used those individual sounds for. I've never really heard like a read up of like, you know, on Black Dog, he'd always put things into series. I, you know, I couldn't find any info. I bet you there's some, you know, 
Zeppelin fans are screaming at me saying like, oh, he did all sure. this. From what I understand, it was mainly for his uh, tour. It's usually because mm. when they're recording, he could use whatever guitar he wanted. But in yeah, the he'd tour always use sense, a Telecaster recording. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and, and in the tour, he can use that because you can get that really sweet, like twangy sound from that that setup. Yeah. I would assume um, it's like some of the, that early Zeppelin stuff, like whole lot of love and stuff that you really hear that like single coil sound mm-hmm. um, on the recording. But I have no idea what I'm talking about, everyone out there. So I, <laughs> I'm probably wrong. Don't, I don't ha- believe me. I have heard a rumor that, uh, that, that Jimmy Page's Telecaster has sold more or less Pauls than any other guitar in history. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably uh, about right. That's also true of Slash's not Les Paul, Les Paul. That's right. It was like it's a Tokai or something. I no, it was a Max. A Max oh, yes. Custom. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's, I, uh, wow. That's incredible. I did, you know, being, because again, we're the same, all of us are relatively the same age. And then, and after reading that same article, I did search out some guy on the internet and that flopped in my face. But after getting that, I was able to get, I would try my hardest to get that, that uh, uh, whole lot of love sound which putting literally putting them both in single coil and out of phase. And you get close, you can get kind of close, but it's never right. It strikes me though that, you know, as I look at the wiring world, uh, to which I've been an outsider until very recently, so it's it's all a little fresh for me, but most of the wiring companies out there uh, offer some, some iteration of the Jimmy Page wiring setup. Um, but then all of their other wiring kits are just a drop-in replacement with no other functionality. Um, which I find odd. There's not like nobody, nobody seems to make like a black dog for Strat um, that I have seen. I could be wrong. They, I mean, you could technically make it, but the key thing is the, the functionality of it, right? So you do yeah. want the two humbuckers. You do want that. Uh, I have, me being me, I have made many kits for someone to, to put that same setup in a Strat, uh, but it ended up being an HH Strat. Um, but I ah, mean, sure. a lot of, a lot of um but even that i just mean like even just the series parallel or the the in and out of phase you know a lot of things don't seem to offer uh, that well it's it's a weird and 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 to be i'll be very i'll be upfront and say i'm the most i'm not the most you know technical i know there's a lot of people who who could you know wire me under the table but for your average person who let's hope self, not. yeah <laughs> oh, right? no that sounds terrible <laughs> if i disappear it was them i swear uh but to your average seller who does this a lot of stuff they're they're like you know me 20 years ago where they just search on the forum and they find random diagrams and they just kind of copy it and and a lot of times uh there's nothing wrong with that that's literally how i started yeah. but it, it's it's there's a point where you kind of have to know uh, when circuit designing, you got to know why you put this architecture here and that architecture there to the point where, you know, a lot of people can't go out of that original diagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the weirdness with, with this industry. Um, so there is people who, who definitely do it, but no one who probably sells it uh, on, on a professional level, you could probably find a, a really good tech in a, some small area. Um, but it's not too and, unlike the pedal world in which, you know, there are a million tube screamer variants, but there's not very many allowed to use, you know, Wampler as an example. He's he just came out with the Phenom distortion, which is a completely original distortion circuit. There's a lot fewer of those than there are modified versions of things that are old or just straight up tube screamers that aren't even modified and i love all of that i'm a hopeless pedal addict i want all of the pedals ever 
but it is a lot <laughs> less common to find somebody that like Brian who could you could say I want a, an original circuit that does this and he can give that to you something that's never really existed before versus finding old diagrams and just going off of that yeah and, and that, I mean there's nothing wrong with that I will say one thing if you're the person who likes to do dia- like to find random diagrams um, online diagrams are like guitar tabs uh, they're very very close <laughs> but if you don't have the the, the know-how to find some of it you're gonna like it will it'll work but a lot of times it'll be like just wrong enough that it's gonna be annoying yeah that's the, yeah, that's 100%. me on this podcast actually. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so scott maybe maybe this is a good time to shove on the mr business hat again because we we've talked a lot about the <laughs> don't have any hats around here oh man <laughs> i'm the only hatted man in here uh but maybe this would be a good time to kind of segue a little bit away. Like we talked about, you know, the principles behind the companies and the things that made sense on just kind of a personal level, the things that we all, you know, hold dear as far as running a gear company goes. But I think there, for me, what made a lot of sense was me getting involved with Sean on a professional level. He is about at the same place business wise as when I got involved with, with you. And Mm -hmm. From my perspective, I'm thinking, well, cool. This is not identical in any way, shape, or form, and but it is in the same industry, and it's something that we all have a, a very good understanding of the end result of. And I feel like we can get through this process together much more fluidly and much more quickly than when you and I were kind of thrashing it out in the beginning, trying to figure out, like, what? what guitar strings what what is this what's a guitar string uh, you know <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's kind of the funny thing reflecting on um certainly like the string joy journey um is it has been so it's been a little over eight years now um and it's kind of like been being in a protracted uh version of business school um where you know certainly like those first couple of years um, you're just fighting tooth and nail to to find anybody that will try your product and then can buy it and you know hopefully um become somebody to really kind of proselytize how good it is to other people. Um, but then you grow and you obviously encounter new and exciting uh, challenges at every step along the way. Um, and we've been able to see those grow and adapt and change and, and kind of get through them. I mean, my general assumption is if I had to do string joy again with what I know now, I think I could do it in like two or three years to get to, to where we're at now instead of eight years, but that's life. That's how it goes. That's how you're, uh, you know, um, that's how you learn things, right? And so mm-hmm. kind of our calculation is that um, with where Sean was at, you know, we could uh, could help accelerate um, that. And and it's worth noting, too, in case anyone has the wrong idea, that we didn't buy Sean out 100%. Um, we're, no. we're partnered up <laughs> No, I wouldn't run it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's not like <laughs> Too that. Too much my baby. Sean is not our our, our corporate slave um, who, who does whatever we want. We, we are partners partners in it. Uh, which I think is important to know, but the idea was that you know I think we can we can bring a lot of wisdom to to that side of things and really just like know hey here's what we did at this stage here's something we did wrong at this stage and we should do differently this time yeah um, or you know here's something we wish we had known at the time um, and there's a lot of those opportunities and something that I think is kind of kind of funny that a lot of people may not know is that um, Sean's actually run you know effectively a much larger <laughs> business than than we are um, yes right now. Um, and so, 
Well, Sean, I guess I should let you speak to that slightly. Yeah, so I'm in this weird thing where um, previous to this, I managed two very large uh, liquor stores. And and when I say liquor stores, most people think of like your average corner store. Um, That is far from the case. Um, One, Oregon is a controlled state, so we aren't as as rough and rowdy. Um, But... I had one store that I've seen was, Oregon get plenty of and rowdy. <laughs> well, that's true, especially around Blake's neighborhood. Um, basically one store we had that we were actually the top three selling in the entire state. Uh, that's out of like three or 400 stores. Um, we are doing anywhere from 12 to 18 million a year in sales. Um, and then the other store is actually one of the largest square footage, um, in Oregon. Uh, and that was a, probably another eight to 12, uh, million a year. So I have, a I have a very, um, I don't want to say like, I have enough of a, how to run a business at a very large scales, 25 employees, two locations, two different business models. I have enough of that, that to, to kind of get to me, get to a, a spot where I'm very comfortable, but what I don't have the, the skill set, and, and why I really wanted to work with, with Blake and Scott is I've never built a business from scratch. I've gotten very gun street. I mean, since the last time I've been on Blake's podcast, I do what I did that entire year within a month and a half, which is just phenomenal from how short my experience with gun street has been. Um, but you guys, you know, you've been through the, the, the ringer and, and got to go through some of the stuff that, you know, as I'm scaling up, I'm, I'm, you know, dealing with more, more kind of complexities that I can call you guys go, what, what should I do on this one? This is what I think from a business standpoint, this is the strategy I say, but then you go, Oh, we did that. You should probably try something different. <laughs> so it, yep. it's one of those ones where, yes, it's, it's, I, I am too much of a control freak. Um, hence why you probably see I'm, do these weird complex circuits. Um, but I never wanted to have parents. I never wanted to have a, you know, a, a, a parent figure to be like, you can't do this. I needed partners. Cause this is, yeah, this market is a very complex market. This industry, I mean, it's really easy to say it's $8 in parts, right? But people don't take into consideration of how much complexity it comes to just getting, just making sure the product is correct just making sure that the person is going to install it correctly and not destroy it and then claim it's your fault. You know, there's so many kind of complexities that uh, it's, it's hard for one person to do. And I wanted to work with people who, you know, have experience in this and who have very great insights in general uh, that it just, again, it made more sense. I, like we said earlier, I've literally talked for, for Blake, like five hours talking about business stuff, just, just, naturally not like you know i call him for help it just comes out well it'll be like hey did you see this one thing uh yeah fender did xyz here and that's kind of weird and then that's where it starts and then it's like also conversion rates huh you know (laughs) yeah yeah. it's also (laughs) worth noting on the parts thing i mean strings are a dollar in parts but if i mail you a bag with a bunch of uh, a bunch of wire um, you're not going to have a very good time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just so, some, some know, ball ends, different different pieces yeah, of wire. I, I feel like yeah. it's weird that, that that sort of argument gets tossed around more in like the pedal pedal amp 
wiring space than it does in, in my world, but it's not <laughs> too different. Like it, it's all in the expertise of designing something and the expertise of building something and building it right. Um, I mean, hell, uh, you can make a Gibson Les Paul for a couple hundred bucks. Um, well, and I think they, they, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Like you're paying for expertise and you're paying for, for people's designs, um, and, and, and how they make things. And that's just like the way of the world. I, I I've never understood why that argument takes more hold in the pedal space. Than it <laughs> you does. know, a it car is only work. like yeah. five grand in parts. I don't know that's why what I'm they saying, right. Yeah. <laughs> you could say this of anything, you know? Um, and if you want to do that and, and be Mr. D- DIY and everything, no one's stopping you. Um, at all, but but most people don't do that. Um, partly because it's no. a bunch of time, um, and you don't want to spend six hours every week making your set of guitar strings, um, or or your wiring harness for that matter. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. I'd say or 20 years learning about how uh, you know circuit architecture works and you know, why you wire why you wire uh, you know a volume pot a certain way mm-hmm. no it, it, I get it and and, and I, I don't want to belittle people who use that argument which it's fine I mean you got to start somewhere but it is it is a very complex thing it's really easy to to assume that this is an easy industry when there's so much complexity that makes it very challenging oh yeah well, one and of I mean, again that, anyone oh, can ahead. do that if they want to i've got i've got one friend who every time we go out to eat somewhere uh he can't really enjoy something really good because he's like ah i could have made this at home for a dollar and i'm like well <laughs> you, there's no one stopping you uh you didn't invite me over um but also <laughs> you probably can't 
Um, <laughs> right. I'll give you three dollars for you to make that for yeah. me. Yeah, I'm almost exactly, I, or else I'd be a customer. Um, I'm almost <laughs> yeah. certain that uh, that you can't do that. <laughs> Sorry. And, well, and there's other things about the guitar market too, right? There's certain expectations that are set, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, I could, I I could do that for you know however x amount of parts with any any product, every single piece of the guitar industry. Somebody has said, well, that's not worth it because I could do that with blah, 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 blah. I could build that in my uncle's shed. And like, that is the reality. Probably not. Probably not. C- could you bolt together a, a very nice playing parts caster? Probably. Um, but it's going to take you a while to do. And you want to make sure that you're sourcing all the stuff. And like, it's time that you pay for with these things. Everyone seems to forget that people get paid hourly to do things. And, uh, you know, and everyone wants everyone to get compensated. But fortunately, labor's never been cheaper than ever, than, than it is now. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. <laughs> but that's no, the thing. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, and if you want, want good people, people yeah. it's, it costs you money. Yeah, you, and, you want, and you want good people, and you want to take care of them appropriately, and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And that is all built into the thing that you make. And hopefully enough people enjoy that thing that you can continue to make that for other people moving forward. And it's just so the parts argument has always been so silly because it applies to every business, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure this piece of paper I could make for fractions of a penny, but I don't own a paper mill. So, you know, yeah, we used to actually get that in the liquor store. Mm -hmm. We usually get the guy, the person who said, Oh, I I have my own still. I make, I don't make any, any liquor. I just buy this because so-and-so wanted it. I'm like, Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But You're I also mean, not supposed to do that. But that's neither here nor no, there. No, you can in Oregon. It's just small, small batches. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, just small batches. I can't remember the exact amount because it's I, I'm getting away from that industry enough to forget. Uh, from, but the, is, from the moonshining industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's my that's my great grandfather. Don't tell anyone. Um, no, it, it, you can make it. And there's actually um, I know a lot of friends, especially in the craft scene. Uh, that did it for fun and then all of a sudden they blew up and they started their own craft beers and um, like my wife's friend was a oh sorry my google just went off Um, my wife's friend works as a um, she's one of the top uh, rd distillers for i'll say riverside one of the local ones that everyone loves and it just again started out as a love did really, really well, obsessed with it. And I think that's the one uh, cool thing about, yeah, you can use that argument. And sure, but some people do blow up from that. Yeah, I guess that is the similarity between anything craft-related. And Scott and I were talking about this yesterday a little bit. And and like specifically in the guitar space, is you really have to love it. Otherwise, there's no there's no real reason to keep beating your head against the wall in this industry. If you're just af- after just like, all the Benjamins, uh, you know, <laughs> you should really probably find a different niche to get into. But the the reality is, the people who do well in this industry, by and large, there are a few exceptions. They love it. They love music. They love guitar specifically. They love rock and roll, or they love some aspect of it so much that they want to just shove their way into it, and they they just don't really they don't really have a choice because their passion pushes them and. Uh, I think there's a few guys on this podcast that might know something about that. I don't know. I would say I can say that my my dad uh, thinks I'm crazy 
because I left a very high position business with, if I had stayed, be making five, six times what I'm going to be making, you know, in the next probably five years to do this. But it's something I really love. It's something I've always obsessed about. I mean, it's just, there's so much, I would rather do this and make little money than do anything else because it's just all I know. Mm -hmm. It's all I can think about. hundred percent. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade string joy for a cement company that, that does 10 times the amount in revenue. <laughs> uh, mm. There's just well, something I know a lot you stay up late and... thinking about cement and its different properties. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Well, uh, if it had an application <laughs> of guitar strings, I would. Um, but that's, that's, what's beautiful about this industry, right? You know, it's, it's a bug, a bug and it bites you. And like, there's just something so cool about kind of delivering a product to market that you've, you've put all this, this time and thought into, um, and then, you know, like logging in and seeing people on like the gear page, you know, like talking about it and being like, this is all a sham. They're a huckster. Don't believe any of this. That, uh, anyway, sorry. That was a joke. <laughs> no, I, I've always <laughs> when, thought when about When I get it. On, the, on the gear page, what, what they say there is that there, there's this big conspiracy that uh, Stringjoy is actually in California, um, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on the show probably before. Uh, it's my favorite. I... I, I don't. I don't think I'm important <laughs> enough to merit there being a conspiracy over me. But it makes me. It makes me happy, and I, I love that the like the the inference that uh that somehow it would be cheaper uh, in some insidious way for me to uh, operate a business in California than Tennessee, um, and that for some reason I would feel it necessary to hide that I'm in California and I'm in, and in, in Tennessee. It's a. Uh, it's pretty great. It makes me happy. I feel like you'd be way more tan if you live in California. Yeah, and way more poor also. Uh, <laughs> uh, the one design theory I've always, my, I also say, I also come from a business family. Like I can, it sounds really goober to say, but like my family's owned a business since 1850, you know, something like that. So one of my grandpa's classic line is a product is a magic trick. And if you do the right calculated moves to the consumer, it is it is real magic. If you screw up, someone's going to hate you and talk about it. But you have to get that emotion because it is real magic. It is just as real as anything else. Huh. I love that. That's so cool. Real magic and, exists. Wow. Real magic exists. Wow. Yeah. Look mm-hmm. at that. So we are getting close to the end of the episode, and I'm probably not going to go into the classic questions on this one since uh, that seems a bit redundant with both of you. <laughs> but I hate pizza. <laughs> yeah, you guys hate pizza. I know. I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> but I do think it's probably worth maybe just kind of putting out there into the universe, even if it ends up in a slightly different form. Like, what do you... I know this is a sounds weird, me asking this of you guys since we talk about it so much, but for the public... You know, what do you two see as the future here for Gun Street as a company? And, you know, what kind of roles are you planning on filling moving forward, both of you? Sean, you take the lead. I have always been very vocal of about what my my dream of Gun Street is. And, and it's very, very big is I really want to take um, wiring, not not just Gun Street, but just the wiring aspect of the the industry out of the kind of really dated stone age and get it into like uh, again gun street has 
I try to make a lot of educational posts so I can inspire people to learn more. And I would love to see it get out of this idea of like, you know, these paper oil capacitors sound so much better for that woman tone to the point where, oh, if I use this exact value, I can circuit design and get it to like, you know, have a lot of amazing people making a lot of cool and unique circuits. And, th and that's where my goal with Gunstreet has always been is take it into the place where I think it deserves and creating custom circuits kind of sounds that you don't usually get to sound get to have and have you the person kind of be able to do that without you know someone you know pushing you along a hundred percent um on my end uh just kind of echoing what sean said you know i, I think that one thing that is, is central with our approach is like if we go into a different area of the guitar world we want to make something new and different and be able to like make a substantial splash um people might not know this but we've been uh propositioned uh, a great many times uh from people wanting to buy our company other players in the business and such and uh the thing there is almost every time we get the sense that their dream for it's a lot smaller than ours um they're like oh this is great it's a nice little string company and you're like oh no no we're not, you know, one-tenth uh, or barely one-hundredth the company we want to be. Um, we're, mm -hmm. we're growing all the time uh, and want to really, like, expand that. And so, anyway, we take the same approach with, with Gun Street. You know, I think it'd be easy to look at this as like, oh, this will be a nice little thing that, that, you know, we can sell to some of our existing customers and it'll accentuate it. Um, but we want to change the way the wiring market works, the same way that Sean talked about. Um, and I see huge opportunity in how we integrate pickups into that as well um how we can build pickups that have the ability to to say for example coil tap very well or do other things alongside wiring harnesses so that we can not just own the the things that you're actually manipulating and playing on the guitar but also the parts of the guitar that pick up that sound and that filter that into um what hits your amp um for us it's just kind of expanding the the areas of your guitar that we can touch and uh and the ways in which we can give you more options uh to to really make that kind of sound your own that was beautiful oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man getting a bit misty over here well no guys seriously thank you so much for taking the time to come on and explain all this because i know as soon as this goes live people are going to be like wait what huh who when why <laughs> well you know? and that's we, we should actually probably address that briefly uh okay. in terms of mechanics so um it's uh, like we said gun street exists on its own accord um we are we're partners with it and you'll hear about it from Stringjoy, you know here and there but it's not um a thing where it's like you can only buy Gun Street through the Stringjoy website or anything like that at all. No. Um, Gunstreet.co uh, will be the the main hub for everything Gun Street, um, and you'll definitely hear us talking about each other when it makes sense. But um, you know, in, in all ways, we want to be very very respectful of the Gun Street brand, mission, and ethos. So it's not in any way like it's just going to be like rolled in as Stringjoy wiring harnesses uh, or anything like that at all. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's very important to note that while yeah, now, as I said in the beginning, Sean and Gunstreet is a part of the family. Uh, it's still his show over there. Yep. You, we're not in his hair every day just like, hey, what's this? Hey, what? Hey, hey now. No, no, no. Uh, mm -mm. No, it's like it's very much still his thing. We just wanted to be there in an official capacity to be able to provide support and expand on what he's already doing. And that's really the whole goal. And 
if anybody's worried that all of a sudden, uh, well, now it's all going to be stupid because Blake and Scott are involved. It's like, no, nope, if, it <laughs> if it goes stupid, it's Sean. It's still Sean's fault. It's yeah, my it's fault. Sean. It's completely my fault. <laughs> but, but to that if point, he goes wrong, we'll just share in the me. downside now. That's uh, right. <laughs> exactly. But, but to that point, if you ask Blake or I questions about wiring, we will sound exactly as dumb as we always would have. Yes. Um, so, so don't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I <laughs> we're, may we're start learning, learning very quickly, but Sean is the master. <laughs> yes. I What I will probably say is, if I know it, I will tell you, but I'll most likely say, I don't know. Ask Sean. That's what I will say. <laughs> so, Just like strings. I, I don't know enough to say, uh, say anything about strings. Yeah. I mean, I have a similar similar story. I don't know. Ask Scott. Why are you asking me? <laughs> Uh, I'm getting better, though. Well, guys, the same thing you. happens when people ask me about pizza. <laughs> you know where to send them. Give me a call. I'll talk for four hours about the intricacies of sourdough and how uh, for different fermentation times can impact the crust quality. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, <laughs> Don't get them started on cheese. Uh, cheese, well, San Marzano. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> guys, thank you for coming on. Uh, this was a great chat. And uh, I think we can probably sign off if, uh, unless you guys got anything else you want to say at the moment. No, other than just thank you guys. This has actually been, a, you've been really excellent with this. It's very scary when you have other people come on uh, and you guys have really showed that it is, again, you believe in the Gun Street mythos. A hundred percent. Wait, did you buy mythos too? Oh, wait, hold on, wait. <laughs> Too soon, too Zach? soon. Zach, are Just you in here? What's going on? <laughs> but uh, 100%, Sean, that's awesome to hear. And, and I, I'm really excited about where this can go. Um, so to anyone who's who's kind of tuned in to listen to us talk about this, thank you for, for checking in. We're excited about where this can all, all can go from here. Yeah, sounds good. And thank you for having us over for, for yet another sleepover, Blake. Yeah, it's always, that's right. always nice to be, <laughs> be here on the Tone Mob. <laughs> yeah, you guys can come on anytime, anytime at all. <laughs> All right, Sean, I, Sean I have to come bring a guitar over to your house. I screwed up the wiring in it. Um, I'll see Uh-oh. you shortly. Uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. For Sean and Scott, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks, there you have it. We are super stoked that this is finally out there and that this is coming together at long last. We've been working on this for so long. So excited that it is finally official and out and happening And you can look forward to some really fun stuff very, very soon. We're already working hard on some new products that I think you're really going to enjoy, which we hinted at in the episode. And thank you for all of the support. You know, anytime you buy from anybody sponsoring this show the way Gun Street did for so long, or now buying from Gun Street or Stringjoy directly helps me, directly helps keep this thing going. And this is my favorite thing I get to do. So thank you so much for allowing me to be able to do that. I really, really appreciate it. So yeah, more cool stuff on the way. Oh, and it's worth noting, if you are hearing this on Monday, the day it dropped, you're actually getting a little bit of a sneak peek because the official announcement is going out Tuesday. So there'll be a newsletter and some social stuff and all that going out on Tuesday. So you're getting a little bit of a behind-the-scenes peek at something that's uh, really cool and really, really exciting for all of us. So thank you so much. And again, in the spirit of supporting the podcast, if you so choose to, over on Patreon, I'm talking to Sean for about an hour 
about some pretty actually intense subjects. We start lighthearted with the UFO stuff. We ended up actually getting fairly heavy. And also, it's worth noting, if you don't know Sean, if this is your first time hearing Sean, you really should go back to the first time he came on this podcast because he really went deep on that episode. That's when we really, really hit it off. And I would highly suggest going back to that episode and checking it out. It's pretty old. It's uh, probably three or four years old, but it's still relevant. It's still his story. And I think it'll still resonate with a lot of people. If you're already familiar with Sean, you're going to love this week's Patreon. You really are. So for five bucks a month, you can support the show and get extra bonus content beamed directly to your ears every single week. And additionally, you'll get the ad-free feed of the podcast. If you just want the ad-free feed, you can get that for three bucks a month. And I will really, really appreciate anything I can get over there. That really means a lot. And it comes back and directly keeps this show on the interwebs. Yeah, that's probably more correct. It's not on the airwaves, but I guess it's vibrating the airwaves and making it to your ears. So that counts. Sure. Let's, let's call it that. Anyway, I hope you are all good. I hope this is uh, valuable for you and I will talk to you on the internet very, very soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy guitar strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. 
Hey everyone, it's Chris Pandolfi inviting you to check out the new season of my podcast, Inside the Musician's Brain, with new episodes airing now. Hearing it in that room, these guys playing this thing and trying to figure out how to play this song was mind-blowing. It's so inspiring to know there's so much more to it than you ever thought, and it just opened another door. But when people find faith because they need to, in terms of just filling a void to feel better without actually being better, that's when it becomes a crutch much like you know, drugs and alcohol do. Man, I don't have all the time in the world here. If I want to be a professional bluegrass musician, I felt like I had to take a very like strategic approach, just trying to get rid of the barriers and, and figure out what those barriers were. The feelings still come and I have to reckon with that, but I think I have better ways of moving forward and not being stuck, which I think was the killer for me. Catch all that and so much more on the new season of Inside the Musician's Brain.